Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, we welcome back to the podcast, Diana Eden. She was the costumer for The Facts of Life in its final three seasons. If you are a regular listener of the show, you have heard her on the show before. And once again, she does not disappoint in providing us with really interesting and very exclusive details about Season 9, Episode 11, Golden Oldies. And I hope you enjoy it. So, without any further ado, let's face the facts with Diana Eden. Diana Eden, welcome back to the show. Always happy to come back. (laughs) Oh, always happy to have you. Always thrilled that we get to speak to you. Uh, Matthew is unfortunately not with us because he's laid up with a migraine. Mm-mm. So we are sending happy healing vibes to him, but uh, we, we've we accumulated our questions together here. So I've got uh, some stuff we want to know. And uh, you said you had some stories too, also to share about golden oldies. Yeah. Yeah. So did you get a chance to rewatch the episode? I did. I just watched it and, and my God, it's funny. Isn't it? There are some. Funny lines, really funny lines. I'd forgotten. <laughs> it's uh, we said it's the last of the great wackadoodle episodes, really, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it truly when they go crazy like Seven Little Indians, which you did, and uh, come back to the truck stop, Natalie Green, Natalie Green. I think was that you too? That was yeah, with Natalie in the truck stop. Yeah, those really overly fantastical episodes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are those are few and far between, but wow, they are memorable. Yes, <laughs> and they must have been thrilling when you'd get to that table read and get to see that you would have the chance as a costume designer to really go outside of your normal lane. Absolutely, absolutely. Something like that is always fun, and you know you have to see how willing the actors are to go with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we talked about different concepts and, and diff- how these uh, characters would age in the satirical way. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, Cloris was always gung-ho. She's fearless. I mean. She will go 100%, uh, you know, toward getting it right and being funny and and no vanity. No, well, I, I have to still look good. No, she went all the way and she started with the body she said my body has to be different so i got for her um (laughs) sorry i'm laughing because i'm trying to think how to say this this um (laughs) well remember we we swear all the time so language (laughs) language and discretion need not be a concern Well, it was a saggy boob job. And what it was, was this kind of contraption that hung around her neck. And then it was like two bean bags that were shaped really 
low and saggy. <laughs> <laughs> and she loved them because there was movement and she could, you know, um, get that kind of saggy boob look. <laughs> and um, I think they might have come from the Carol Burnett show and uh, Carol Burnett did some characters. I was just going to say that was right in your wheelhouse, I assume, yeah. as uh, since you studied under Bob Mackey, who was right. kind of the... Some of those things, yeah. In fact, a couple of the costumes came from Bob Mackey's uh, costume shop. So that's how we got Clara started. And then in the first change, I had found in a thrift store this burgundy cardigan that I thought was hilarious just in itself. It looked like someone had hand knit it with love, but not much taste. <laughs> <laughs> and Nowadays, thrift stores, they're far too tasteful, but this I just thought <laughs> was hilarious. So I kind of built the costume around that. And I found her, you know, a, um, a dress that was, uh, you know, an old lady print. And we went from there. Um, so that was her first look. I don't remember any particular details about her second look, but she was just always willing to, you know, go the whole mile. She did yeah. not go back. No, she was known for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it shows in her work. That's that's exactly. her legacy in uh, in exactly. so many ways, the product of it. Yeah. Now, I recall in your book, Stars yeah. in Their Underwear. Yeah. Uh, little get a little plug. Always, mm -hmm. always try. Thank uh, you. There is the sketch of the Chloris outfit. So yeah. with the sketch, was that just a conceptual thing or did you design or build any of her or or any of the girls' costumes? Were any of those built by you? No, nothing was built. The sketch actually in this instance came after. Um, I was asked to submit a sketch to the Costume Designers Guild for their annual directory. And I thought that costume of Chloris is you know, was such a prize. So um, uh, I sketched it after the fact. Oh. Um, no, the pieces were all found. Um, Lisa wore um, actually kind of 1940s dresses that I had found in my vintage shopping because even though that's going backwards, it sort of felt dowager-ish. Yeah. And um, the only conflict I had tails out of school was actually with the hair department because I really envisioned her having a dowager upsweep oh. and they disagreed and so she did have the what I call the Texas big hair <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it made her Texan we talked about that her character Blair yeah. Warner's from New York and yet when she became an old lady suddenly the Texan Lisa Welchel I know <laughs> came back with a vengeance there so, uh, uh, yeah, it was almost like an aging country western star. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, Nancy was fun. She was she was with it. And I think in a way, her character is the most successful um, of the four girls. She just, you know, that cranky, but, you know, clever, but cranky um, comebacks that she has. Mm -hmm. um, and we just kind of went with a house dress and, a you know, old cardigan and a scarf. And um, um, she sold the rest of it. And her second look was a, a beautiful print polyester pantsuit. 
and I wondered if that was found or if that was made for it. I, I yeah. a little part of me hoped it was found because it seemed a shame to make that when they were probably in thrift stores everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and really, you know, one one can find just the best stuff in thrift stores and oh. vintage stores. So that was great fun for me to shop for those mm -hmm. things. And of now, course, obviously, the girls had to have the right shoes and the purses because that's all part of it, you know. Yes. Now, you brought up about uh, Lisa's hair. That was one of my questions was uh, what level of collaboration is there in terms of the hair and the makeup all has to work in harmony with the with the costuming yeah. and the decision to say, OK, we're going to give Mac a mustache things like that. Can can you talk a, a bit to uh, what that collaboration was like? Yeah, for the most part, our departments collaborated a great deal. And in a perfect world, they should and they do. But I had made a critical error um, earlier and in the beginning of my uh, reign, shall we say, <laughs> in, in <laughs> the fact of life, when uh, we did the... Um, um, Oh, the, the the flashback where they all sixty two yes, pickup, right, right, yeah. Oh, yeah. the story pickup. you told about you you accidentally sent out for the hair. Yeah, I when I brought in the wigs because that's the way Bob Mackey always did it. He had this wig lady, and uh, so I went to the same wig lady and brought in all the wigs, and their nose was really put out of joint, and kind of rightly so. Uh, I was just, you know, this was my first show and I made a big mistake. So I think, you know, for a while, they kind of did what they wanted to do to show that the costume designer really shouldn't have a say. <laughs> so, I, you know, uh, it was okay, but it was not the way I envisioned her. I mm. just have a big upsweep and and uh, you know dowager and the the per, the uh, barbara bush um, necklace Poor yeah bush. we are so mean to her she was i know i know <laughs> Wait, that's all we had that's all we had to talk about was her pearls what else was there? <laughs> oh god mm -hmm. um so anyway, yeah, in a perfect world, it all gets discussed. I mean, the mustache would probably be discussed in the production meeting. And, and uh, you know, there wasn't that many ways we could make um, uh, Mackenzie that much older. <laughs> so we did what we could. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we loved, we were talking about it um, with our friend Ken Reed, who is, uh, he does a podcast where he talks about uh, TV history through TV Guide. Oh, Yes. So yes. he will have a guest on and they'll go through an old issue of TV Guide and just talk about what they oh, watched. Yeah. And oh, yes. uh, so, so much just, you know, gateways opening to our collective past and our memory. And mm -hmm. so he is a big Facts of Life fan. Oh. And he was our guest for the show talking about Golden Oldies with Matthew. And all three of us were like, the Mac costume was, uh, he looked like the mayor of Munchkinland. And we mean that in the best possible way that you gave him a vest and the pocket watch and the rings. Yes, and, yes. <laughs> and was it was it your choice to pad him? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really worked because it's like, well, you know, you can't make him taller, but if you make him oh. stouter. Well, then there's the line in the second act where Nancy says, well, you're still short, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they figured they weren't putting him on stilts or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Mindy um, 
believe it or not, her first dress was a dress of mine. It was a boho dress that I had bought at Joseph Magnin right before Joseph Magnin closed. And that may not mean anything to anyone in your audience, <laughs> but I fell in love with this dress because it was flowy and it was all autumn colors and it was kind of smocked across here, but then it just billowed out. And I was mad about that dress. And I thought, yeah, it might just fit Mindy. And it did. Huh. So that was her first dress with uh, a shawl and, and, you know, the right accessories. Her second dress um, I got from Bob Mackey's costume house, um, which was called, I don't know, EC2, mm -hmm. which stood for Elizabeth Courtney 2. So um, I don't know who that was used on, but that was hers. Mm -hmm. One question we had about Mindy's yeah. look, there yeah. had been an episode in season five where they did a flash forward to the year 2000, which oh. at that time would have been them in their 30s. Yes. And Charlotte was still on the show. And mm -hmm. they because they'd been talking about maybe we'll go into outer space. And it was 83 and Return of the Jedi had been out. Yeah. yeah. So the way they did up Mindy was they had her kind of looking like she just came from Tatooine but in light earth tones, flowy things, you could tell she was kind of hippie yeah, uh, yeah. With, with the long braid. Oh, and heaven. we wondered when we watched this, we're like, was this look informed by that? Were you aware of that other look? No, not at all. Not at all. Huh. I wonder yeah. if the hair people then with that big side braid that she had. Well, they might have because they had been with the show, you know, the hair department had been there for quite a while oh they know? had been there they there was yeah continued... i don't know if they were there from the beginning but they were definitely you know it's not a new season for them so it's yeah. possible so it's possible the hair people were giving us a little nod yeah. and again we're like that was when they were supposed to be 32 and they had gray at the temples <laughs> yes. and we're like really oh. really guys yeah, i know i know <sighs> So, okay, we wondered about that, if there was any intention, at least on, on your no. part, costuming-wise. No. There was not. No. Fascinating. Yeah. And then in Kim's looks, oh, my God, please tell me all the stories of what inspired you with those. Well, just the first one was sort of like, you know, Blanche from Streetcar uh, Named Desire, you know. And... um just over the top, lots of movement. I remember the hat. I remember sewing the flowers on the underside so they would show because very often the flowers go on top. Oh, yeah, sure. And I love the idea of the flowers uh, on the underneath of the brim. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, she would just swoop in and, and be able to, you know, do her dramatic thing. And the marabou on the cuffs, oh, you know, yeah. all the oh, movement, yeah. it would catch exactly. on. And she and she moved her arms a lot in the episode, yes. Yes. as you saw. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, we so, Someone said it, it almost had like a Cicely Tyson feel about it. I was thinking more Tennessee Williams. You oh, know? okay. Yeah. Sure. And but, that's perfect for, a, for an actress over, you want dr drama and yes. Uh, yes. excess? Sure, why not? Yes. Yes. And then yes. the second look. Oh, I know. Wasn't it fine? I <gasps> honestly don't remember the details. I wish I had something wonderful to tell you, but um, I do know that 
I often use um, animal prints when I want to do something super dramatic. I just think they really work for that. I don't remember how it went together. I wish I did. We had the animal print and then that that Nefertiti hat. hat yes. <laughs> with the thing. And again, as we were trying to analyze and say, what, what did it, someone said, it, it was like a Grace Jones look. Remember Grace Jones? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That's totally something I think she wore yeah. in one of her videos. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so striking, so <laughs> and <laughs> and comedic. That's that's clearly where you're training yes. under Bob Mackey. That totally comes through where it's comedic costuming. It just yes. goes over that line. Yes, exactly. You you and you you've got to do it visually, but also um, very much with things that move. And actually, Florence Leachman taught me um, a little bit about that. She loved clothes that had some movement. Oh. And um, you may notice in the first, uh, her first today outfit, you know, current mm -hmm. day outfit, um, she had a skirt that was kind of full and she loves things that aren't rigid. And if mm -hmm. she had seen where she was coming down the stairs, she liked something that had some movement. So I, I learned from her about the importance of movement. And certainly if you're going to be dramatic, mm -hmm. you've got to have things that move. <laughs> so, yeah. Matthew and I often talk shop about just being actors and mm -hmm. collaborating and working with people. And that's that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that you as, as a costumer, and you had said it was your first TV show, your third season, you weren't a complete newbie, but you were still open-minded to say, oh, this actress is giving me ideas and things that I'm taking away. That's that's a wonderful yeah. Yeah. Uh, collaborative thing that we artists uh, get to experience. Yeah, I mean, you can't just walk in on the, you know, Tuesday morning fitting and say, this is what you're going to wear. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And uh, the girls were always very involved with their characters. They knew their characters by then, just they could turn them on or off. Mm -hmm. And so I don't remember the detailed conversations, but I know that I said, to, you know, to Nancy, OK, Nancy, I, you know, how are we going to do this? And I'm sure she gave me some kind of a feel and direction. And then it's my job to execute it, um, you know, make it come alive. Nancy probably said in flats. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yes. Relating to that, one of my listeners months ago, I think before the last time we talked to you, and we forgot to yeah. ask you this, yeah. but it was just the general question of, we knew, we know the girls were involved. We know that you, as a costumer, never sent them out in anything that they didn't want to be in, that they weren't comfortable in. Did they ever bring things in of their own to you? Was that done? Is that done? Uh, it is, but not usually with the principals. We mm -hmm. have people who only have one line parts or small parts help us in that way. I I don't think they. There was never a time that Kim came in who said, look at this jacket. I love this jacket. Can I wear this as 2D? Can we fit this in? That that wasn't a thing that happened. I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. I, mean, I could be wrong. I mean, they all um, there was certainly it was the era of high top Reeboks and they all wanted the high top Reeboks. <laughs> And those kind of sometimes went between their personal use and their, you know, show mm -hmm. use. 
Yeah, Nancy was wearing a pair, I think, the week before. She was in a skirt suit, but yeah. she had on her high-top Reeboks. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes. And when we had a visit from the Reebok um, representative, I mean, there was, yeah, a mm. lot of <laughs> those <laughs> ordered. Oh, good. Um, Some product yeah. placement. They must have been happy. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, back in the day when money was a little looser, you know, they would come around and and uh, it was product placement. Um, they didn't have a formal um, contract with NBC, but obviously if they could get their shoes on the girls, it was very good for them. That was a win, sure. Yeah, yeah. And you alluded to earlier that uh, it is common extras when they are employed. You can't costume everybody if you have a gigantic yeah. crowd scene. So yeah. it's not uncommon for the extras as part of their job is to bring two or three looks. Exactly. And then exactly. did, did that always go through you or did you have an assistant or someone that would uh, vet those? Well, I was the final say, but, you know, we were a small crew on a film. If you have 600 extras, you you have, you yeah. know, helpers. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, when the call goes out for the uh, extras, there's always a wardrobe description. Please bring uh two to three outfits suitable for the nightclub scene please no blacks no reds no whites you know no logos no logos <laughs> they know that uh, no logos <laughs> yeah and then we look at their wardrobe and we approve and if we don't approve them we augment we don't usually dress someone top to bottom mm -hmm. uh, but we sometimes say you know i don't think that dress is quite right let us give you a shawl and then that takes care of that. Cool. So had you previously met or worked with Bill Macy before this episode? No, first time. First time. Yeah. And any uh any memories of that? Was there was he a character? What was he like? I I just remember him as being very Bill Macy. I mean, mm -hmm. what you see is what you get. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've so said we were talking about that, that that's that's the guy, that's the performance. Yeah, yeah. When you're casting that guy, you cast the guy and he he plays the guy. That's the guy. Yeah. You know, he comes into rehearsal and he's the same guy, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. When I look back on, on my three years on the Facts of Life, we had so many really well-known guest stars. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't well-known at the time, they became well-known. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Clarence Gilliard. <laughs> yes, we just did the episode with him and oh, we were talking you? about we're like he was in Die Hard. He was in he was in some oh, big yeah. movies and he's a, a fellow faculty member with you, isn't he? He is indeed. He is yes. uh, one of the uh, professors at the uh, film school UNLV. So uh, that's fun. I get to tease him every once in a while about how <laughs> I costume him. And we also did the Dennis Haysbert. We we did the Dennis Haysbert episode recently where you had to dress everyone for army training for ROTC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get out the camouflage. <laughs> Need a right, couple bolts right. of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not as hard as it might seem because there's always good surplus stores and we just go to the, you yeah. know, US surplus. Or That's rent, true, but, that's true. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That stuff yeah. is easier. Uh, yeah, so- as far as the aging with, you know, the costumes tell so much and the hair, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, looking at the prosthetic situation, yeah. it looks to me like all of the girls had something mostly under eye bags, looks like yeah. they did. 
that mostly. Uh, do you have yeah. any recollection of that? Well, just that, you know, they got to do age makeup and there is, when you're doing it for a sitcom, it's not the, you know, six hour in the chair thing that it is, you know. Yeah, not um, not Mrs. Doubtfire level here. So, <laughs> you know, they, I guess to make people look old, you do here and you do here. Yeah, when, when yeah. I'm doing it, it's always the under eyes and nasal labial folds. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. thing. Did Cloris have any prosthetics? It looks like it was all done with contouring. Do you remember if that was? No prosthetic. No, that was just her with with makeup and, mm -hmm. and attitude and the hair in the bun, I think. The high bun was her idea. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cloris should have gotten an Emmy for that episode. She is yes. extraordinary as yes. far as just the expertise of playing the broadness, but grounding it and, yes. you know, yes. playing it uh, exaggerated and yet still believable. believable. She, I know. I, I don't she know how she did. I, I, as an actor, look at that and say, I yeah. do not know how one yeah. achieves that. It's, it's astounding how well, good she you is. Know, when, you, when you watch the younger actors and even our young girls playing old, they have a lot to learn now. Oh, yes. Cars had a few more years on them, mm -hmm. but um, to actually play old, you know, uh, it takes quite a bit of talent and technique. Mm -hmm. And she would go on to continue that by playing Granny in the Beverly Hillbillies movie, I think, <laughs> exactly. only four or five years after Facts of yeah. Life. Yeah. And yeah. it's like mm -hmm, more of that magic. Maybe her look uh, got her the job, you know. <laughs> True. It's, it was her audition tape. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when you're young, we kind of stereotype um, what old people wear. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, naturally for a comedy, the stereotype works. But I recently was involved with a low budget independent film uh, where there was an old lady character and they wanted to do the curlers in the hair. And I said, I know old ladies. They they live all around me. Nobody puts curlers in their hair anymore. We just <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. And a lot of the stereotypes. So, you know, now that I am the age of a old lady. Um, <laughs> in your golden years, as we'll my, say. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yes. <laughs> but that was, did, did you, was that the picture you put on your Instagram of you with the, you had like a silver white Yes, we gone. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was cool. And they originally that wanted was... you in curl. Yeah, that's so that is so weird. Nobody yeah. does it because and that's honestly it's technology because nowadays, yeah. you know, curling irons are are hotter yeah. and more efficient yeah. and they get the same yeah. effect and uh, yeah. the same hold. And it most is weird. Of the ladies my age have very short hair, mm -hmm. um, you know, and um, you don't really need to curl. It's not enough to curl. So um yeah, and it's not the 60s where you're teasing it up into a, a bouffant. Right. That's, exactly. you know, again, that's old, old, old lady yeah. stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. So before I let you go, if yeah. you will indulge me, some more general questions about the show. And mm -hmm. I understand this is 35 years ago. I understand if you say, I don't remember, that is perfectly okay. Uh, but these are just a couple of things that popped okay. into mind that we wondered. This one okay. is a costuming question. Okay. We are astounded at how often Kim Fields is wearing hats. 
in the in the living room around the house. And mm-hmm. we joke about that's a TV trope. It's like we know when a woman comes home, everything comes off, bra comes off, she's not in her mm-hmm. heels. But these girls are all in their pantyhose and they're mm-hmm. amazingly put together costumes. Were hats a Kim Fields thing that she specifically asked for from you? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, as you start to dress people, you know that there are certain things that they fall into that are like their signature. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of worked for her. She had a lot of style outside of, you know, um, the show. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah. you can see. And that was fitting as her as the youngest of the group that she would kind of be a little more edgy. And yeah, and that does come through. We love the the koala blue stuff. You occasionally had her in for the mm-hmm. Olivia Newton John in Australia. Mm-hmm. We quickly honed in on that. We're like, oh, yeah. very yeah. of its time, uh, yeah. but very stylish. This episode is eleven episodes into season nine, and we have yet to see the store over our heads has not been shown to us yet, and it will come up, I think, in two weeks in the episode where they decide to close the store and then Mm -hmm. we never see it again. Do you Mm -hmm. recall any sort of talk or mandate or decision where it was, okay, we're not using the store set this season or we're planning to close it. Do you recall anything about uh, the fate of the store? Not specifically. Um, I mean, um, probably at the time there was conversation about it. Uh, we always joked that the merchandise never changed from from show to show. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> merchandise for two years, um, <laughs> but I don't think um, I don't remember a specific announcement. I think it just was, you know, came about, and they said, "Now nah, let's let's get rid of it." Mm-hmm. And it seemed to us that they were spending a lot more time in the kitchen. What we gained mm-hmm. in season nine was the kitchen, which had not existed. Even though Edna's edibles had burned down and been rebuilt two years prior. Yeah. Yeah. So the kitchen, so we're in our minds, we're like, well, they probably just said, well, we've got the homeless center there. That was a sizable set. Mm-hmm. And we we assumed, oh, uh, oh, that's the next question. There are so many backdoor pilots in season nine, so many shows that might have become other shows. Was there any talk or anticipation that you recall where like Big Apple Blue is coming up, the one of uh, Natalie in New York with the young writers. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, Was there any like, okay, and this one, we have to do it because we're thinking this probably is going to be its own series. Did they talk like that? You know, we did two pilots. Where Blair buys Eastland, are you talking? Yeah. Yeah. Is that part of the season? Yeah. The finale of the series uh, is a two-parter. And it's where Blair buys Eastland. Yeah. We thought that that one would get picked up. We thought that that if they were going to continue the series, that was the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then they could have Blair anchoring it and then have a whole new generation. Um, The one with David Spade. Yes. Richard Grieco. Big Apple Blues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was intended to be a pilot for a series. Yeah, absolutely. Those two were submitted as uh, pilots for a new series. Oh, okay. Interesting. They were, they were, yeah, we were aware as they were being done. 
Oh, okay. Because there's always a lot of pressure when you do a pilot to, it's not just another episode. Oh, there's yeah. A lot of, we've got to do this right because this could be our next seven years, mm -hmm. <laughs> our next house, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, so there's always a lot of discussion, you know, well, especially on the, the uh, New York writers, you know, what would these characters look like? Uh, because, you know, if it gets picked up, you, you, you go from what you established in the pilot. Mm -hmm. So I do remember that. Yeah. I thought they were separate, but, um, you know. Yeah. No, the, the two Blair, the Blair buying Eastland was, that is con contained in the, the yeah. syndication the package finale. it's yeah. it's on the dvds yeah. it's considered the last two mm -hmm. episodes of season yeah. nine yeah i was going to ask you just before we go have you seen yeah. the norman lear special that they did the norman lear 100th birthday special i did yes i did yeah i'm about 20 minutes into it and uh yeah. already it, at the big party with the big presentations of mm -hmm. the cutaways to all the people and seeing them. Oh. It's like, I see all of them. I see there's Nancy and there's yeah. there's Mindy. There's this Kim. Oh, there's I know. I know. Lisa. It was, he's amazing. He's mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you have any yeah. interactions with him at all? Or was he just the the distant father figure? No, because he had sold the company about three months before I joined. But oh, I think I told right. you about how he took a, um, a large portion of the profits he made and divided them up with everybody who had worked on his sitcoms. I don't know that story. I'll have to research it for you in a little bit more detail because I can't remember the name of the of his was major- Was it Embassy? Company. Embassy, yes. It was Embassy, okay. That he sounds familiar. Was, yeah. When I joined Facts of Life, they said, oh, it's too bad you're going to miss out on getting a check from Norman Lear. And I said, what do you mean? He took the profits or a big portion of the profits he made from selling embassy and divided up to every single person, crew member who had worked on any of his shows during embassy. Yeah. Wow. Some people who had been with him for 10 years got a check big enough to buy a house. Wow. Uh, I ended up getting, I think I got maybe three weeks worth, you know. Huh. And I somewhere, if I can find it, um, have the letter that came with it, thanking us all for being part of his success. And, you know, we are the, the we meaning all of his crew and everybody. It's the reason that he'd been so successful and he wanted to share it with everyone. Oh. So I will dig that up for you. Hopefully I have the letter somewhere in a box. Um <laughs> But you know, how rare is that, that someone shares the spoils? Yeah, that's like like profit sharing. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody does that. They all sell the company and thank you very much. And Yeah, off yeah. to Rio, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Well, if you yeah. are able to dig up the letter, I would love yeah. to see it. That's great. Yeah. But I, yeah. I had not heard that story about Norman. So, wow. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. That's great. Right. Well, Diana, as always, I, I always say thank you about 100,000 times. Uh, and that's <laughs> literally not not exaggeratedly. I say thank you so much because I still uh, can't believe I actually get to talk to you when you were in the room where it happens and you were part of the <laughs> creation of this this thing that is just, you know, it's in our DNA from growing up with it. Who knew? I mean, really, who knew when we 
started doing it that it would be this way. I lucked yeah. out on my first show, you know. Absolutely. That's yeah. just great. So yeah. I just want to say thank you again so much. And I can't wait till next time we get to chat with you again. All right. And tell Matthew to get over that headache quickly. I know what they're like. Yeah. I will absolutely send your send your get well wishes. Okay. And there you have it. That was Diana Eden. I did not ask her one question that Matthew had wanted to ask, and I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. But I'm fairly sure if Matthew had been well enough to be on the call, he would have asked her about Paul Provenza's bulge. So um, Paul Provenza's not going anywhere. We are going to be talking to Diana in the future, so I will leave that to him. I'll let Matthew handle the, the bulge business of uh, the costuming. And uh, after I hung up with her, I realized I, after all the talk of Beverly Ann and her saggy boobs, I forgot to ask her about Natalie's gigantic, super elevated boobs. So maybe I'll remember to do that next time. Who knows? I, I can't vouch for anything when it comes to my own memory. But anyway, I thank Diana again so, so much for being on the show. And don't forget her memoir, Stars in Their Underwear, is still available at Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage, as well as a link to next week's show that we are going to be discussing, which is Season 9, Episode 12, A Thousand Frowns. That is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>